You know, I was thinking, and you're right, and of course you're right, you weren't making it up, but we we did see Jeff Dunham. It started coming back to me, which is oh yeah, I vague memories. <laughs> and I was asked, I was asked, like, well, did you like it? I want to believe that I did not, that I enjoyed the experience, <laughs> but I did not like the performance. You laughed at it. Did I laugh at the racist pepper or the racist terrorist, as he calls him? I think you just laughed at the fuzzy woozle. Did I really? I think you did. The puppet anyone could get at the store is what I laughed at? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so or perhaps the jokes the puppet was saying. See, that's where we differ. I don't remember there being any jokes. <laughs> Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we boldly, oh wait, show where we, where we boldly live in the present while going to a past no one has gone. I, I had it in the bathroom. Oh, you did? But you didn't write it down? No, I had it in my head because it's not like I've never seen Star Trek and I've not never hosted this show, but I couldn't merge those together. My name is Tim Blevin. Tim, Tim, uh, I am Bob Canning, and Tim, I have a question for you. That was not if staged. You had it, the forgetfulness you had it was not head, staged. Yes. If, if you had it in your head and you knew that that's how you wanted to open it, and it was going to work because mm-hmm. it was in your head, yeah. why did you then get on and, and proceed to like just do some small talk for about 10 minutes uh, where, where that information would clearly just kind of leave your head because you're talking about other things. I can't do that. If I have something in my head, I got to get it out or I'm going to forget it. Well, I would... Especially a show open. Yeah, I mean, I would like to point out the thing in my head was a dumb plan, an opener that <laughs> kind of worked, but didn't quite. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we had some small talk, I guess, before a big open like that. Um, <laughs> but people know the show. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a show where... In this century, we talk about the other century. That's basically it. I've that never explained it that way. How do you explain the show to people? Do you tell people you're on a podcast? I, I do. Um, I use it as a pickup line. Um, it's really successful. Um, Where is this? And I'm only half joking. I will. I have told people, uh, coworkers, uh, kind of in conversation, hoping that they might think that's cool. That's not what picking someone up is, by the way. I mean, no, no, no. I know. That's why I'm half joking. I mean, there there are pairs of shoes I think are cool. I'm not going to pick them up. It's gross. Somebody's foot. But um, how do you describe the show? Uh, I do. I I basically do say that uh, we we talk about our our pop culture pasts and hope that we can figure out how it led us to who we are today. That's good. That's pretty. Should that be what we start saying? Should we start be saying? No, I like our opening. Our opening works. But you don't use it to describe the show to somebody. You don't find yourself doing a version of the show if somebody's like, what's your show? It's like, well, let me just – and you put <laughs> some headphones on and you're like, uh, hey, hey, here's the show. And this week we're talking about a fish called Wanda and I'm a vegan or something like that. You don't do that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Well, <clears throat> I don't then either. But to, I'm doing this. I'm doing this with you today. Welcome to this today. Is somehow out. Yes. Clearly, I don't explain today, the show. Today, Tim, can you tell us where we're going to boldly go today, Tim? Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Something we haven't discussed on this show with no one before. 
Maybe, I guess. Oh my God. <laughs> that was not in the bathroom. That was right here. Still it was right there. Like shit. Uh, we're doing a retro shock today, a segment on our show where we uh, go back to something from our youth, from before, from previous now, um, and uh, that had a big impact on us, but maybe we haven't been back to a while. You know, we discuss it, and then we go and we watch it, and we come back and see if it holds up, if it still holds that place, if it still warrants the affection and nostalgia, but also meaning that we thought it had in the first place. And today, today I'm kind of excited uh, for two reasons. And I think the attempts at an opening that plays off of the very famous opening of uh, that space Western uh, that we're discussing, we haven't done a show, an episode, we've barely discussed um, a program that I think actually was a little more impactful to me than I thought. Growing up, I was always two camps on this, and I think I always thought I was in the opposite camp. Um, I'm talking about Star Trek. Today, we're actually going to be some in a roundabout way talking about Star Trek. Um, not Star Wars, but Star Trek. I mean, are you a Star Trek fan? Did you watch the show, the movies, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I watched the show uh, for sure growing up. I watched those reruns. Uh, it was a nice uh, – Saturday afternoon uh, viewing with the fam. You're talking about uh, the mom. next generation then? No, no, no. I'm talking about the uh, the original series. Oh, you are? Okay. That was on Saturday afternoons? I think I have this recollection. It was like Saturday afternoons or maybe early evening, uh, like a five o'clock show or something. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was just syndicated and, and we would watch it. Um, the family, it was a, a nice thing to do. Um, and then I did watch the next generation a little bit. Uh, wasn't necessarily um, must see television for me, but I would watch an episode. I kind of feel like Star Trek. It has always been a nice thing to go to because you're going to get a decent episode out of it. A, a nice little <laughs> science fiction stuff, a little morality play, maybe. Um, it was it was always a, a, a good filler of my time, but I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't as they are called a Trekkie. The idea of um, of a fan, I guess, of fandom, it makes sense in this modern age where there are comic book conventions for you know everywhere, and there are My Little Pony conventions and, and Magic the Gathering card conventions, and Pokemon conventions. We know what fanboys and fangirls are. We know what it is to be dedicated with something, you know. And growing up, I was a huge fan of things: Star Wars, Transformers, you know, X Files. But I. Uh, my thought of it was always that was mine. I enjoyed it, you know, and I never, I never really thought the wider spectrum of how it impacted other people's lives, you know, how it dictated their mindsets, their experiences, their outfits, this idea of cosplaying, everything that I understand in this digital age of sharing these things. I didn't get that prior to the internet, really. That almost everything in pop culture has a rabid following that it means the world to them and they dress up, they experience, and they can be part of it in that sense. Yeah, and it seems like you had no interest in in sharing that with someone else. Well, So your your fandom was just for you. You didn't want to sit in a room and and talk about – uh, certain episodes of, of something. Oh, or, no, or I did. Like that. No, that's the thing. I did do that. And I did that with my friends, but there was this idea that it was insular to me and my friends. I never thought that this impacted the world at large. I got that it impacted me. Mm. 
you know, like, and I went to comic book conventions as a kid, but they were, you go to the tables and you look for back issues because a comic book is this physical, tangible thing. I got to get the books I want. So let's thumb through this. It was exciting to see all the books, but it wasn't about meeting artists and it wasn't about seeing movie trailers and it wasn't about the costumes. Fandom was in, wasn't a thing I viewed as, I guess what you're saying. I didn't view it as, you know, the Sheridan ballroom room of people all sharing this moment but star trek Mm. i think prior to everything else in my life star trek was the thing where i first saw that kind of secondhand like i didn't know people who were wearing the ears i didn't know people who were doing the hand gestures and building phasers what i did know is that you and i as roommates in the late 90s, watched a lot of VHS tapes, watched a lot of movies, something we enjoy doing. And one particular VHS tape that we rented, and I think we rented often, quite often until we finally broke down and bought it. Something, <laughs> and I don't know how we came to it. I don't know how, I think, which one of us brought it to the other. Yeah, I, I can't remember either, but I think we were both drawn to the box cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was this box cover. If I remember correctly, and we're talking, and we've named this documentary, right? That it's called. We, we haven't. I thought we would build up from okay. the edge of the so, title, but you might as well save the title because that seems to be where you're at. I, the title is Trekkies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's correct. And I think it had maybe like a, a, a subtitle to it as well, like Trekkies, the story of, or something like that. Uh, but on the cover was a baby. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Or a toddler, maybe, <laughs> dressed in uh, your Star Trek uniform. I think Mr. Spock's uniform. I, uh, he had ears on him, and I believe mm-hmm. he was Photoshopped poorly doing <laughs> Spock hand gesture. Um, oh, you don't think that was – you don't think that was actual? I, I don't. Although I wish it had been. I wish they had taped his fingers and put a stick up his <laughs> sleeve so it would hold there. That would have been better. That's fandom. Yeah. But yes, this I re- that's exactly the cover. Yeah, a little kid making the live long and prosper sign with the Vulcaneers in the outfit and the title Trekkies, which was a funny word, which I think I knew the word. Did you know the word at that time? I, I think, think Trekkies. I think so, thing. yeah. At that time, um, I was aware enough of, of the, the Star Trek fandom. Yeah, and I feel like I must have read about this. It was probably promoted in comic books or something. It played in the theaters, but I missed it entirely. Apparently, it opened the same day as The Phantom Menace opened. Really? I I hadn't heard of it or known of it until we saw it on the Blockbuster shelf. Yeah, which actually changes my memory because that means it came out in 99, if that is actually right. But yeah, it was bought. We saw it as a videotape and we grabbed it from the shelf, this blue, baby blue videotape, and we brought it home and. I don't know. We knew it was a documentary, but had you seen clips? Did you know what to expect from I this had, Trekkie movie? I had no idea what to expect. We we literally, to my recollection, just grabbed it on a whim because of the ridiculousness of the cover. <laughs> um, I had no prior knowledge of what we were about to view. And we didn't talk Star Trek. It's not like we had comic books yeah. or action figures. I had one Star Trek action figure. It was the Sauron figure from Star Trek Generations because it was a Malcolm McDowell action figure. It was ah. his character. That was the only Star Trek item I think that was in the house. But yes, we brought this documentary home that we must have known was a comedy, right? And <laughs> comedy. It, well, because we knew the subject matter. We knew it was going to be about... Obs- at least I thought it was going to be about obsessive Star Trek fans. 
which yeah. again, for my unfortunate and I'm sorry, cruel description at the top of the show, start of the show, in my mind, for some reason, we're nerds. Sure. Not all fans of Star Trek, just the ones who live their life by it, which right. is a pretty close-minded thought, given where the world's at, where I've gotten to, the things I love, and the fact of the show we do. That's a horribly close-minded thought to have. Yeah. And I, I'm when you uh, suggested this topic, I was excited to talk about it because that that's a fine memory I have of watching this repeatedly with you. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, I started thinking about, like you're saying, <clears throat> that the fact that we watched it and we laughed at it and we found humor in how these people dressed and talked. And, and I started thinking – this is not going to be fun to go back to because I'm not going <laughs> to like the fact that I, with you, mocked these people. And what were we mocking? What's the setup? I mean, we've described it a little bit. It's a documentary that follows various fans through their, and I think we can say this because this is what fandom is, obsessive <laughs> culture. Uh-huh about Star Trek. And you have people who are at the conventions dressed as a Klingon. You have people who wear the Starfleet shirt to work. You have people who learn to speak Klingon. You have people who are building props. You have people who are talking as if they're part of the Federation. And that was the gist of this documentary and why we kept going back to it. It was funny to us. We found humor in these characters and these stories and then stories by the cast members. I still... I still quote. I still quote the one bit where they they go and they interview one of these guys, and he's got these cardboard boxes full of stuff, and he's pulling things out randomly and talking about what it is, what episode it was in, what it referenced, how he got it, and it's just kind of thrown together in one or two cardboard boxes. And he says, and I use this bit once in a while, and he says something to the effect of, "Yeah, someday I I want to build a really big." Shelf. That's exactly <laughs> to put these on. That's yeah. That's his, his his view of a future goal: a shelf to sh- put a this shelf. stuff on. They're, not an armoire. Not a not a bookcase. Not even like not a some whole sort of extension display. room. Yeah, but just, just a and shelf. Not just any shelf. A really big shelf. A really big shelf. But I mean, there are plenty of stories in this where you're just looking at these people. And laughing, or we did. We did. And what you're saying is, yes, I'm ashamed of that now. Yeah. I'm not a stranger to that culture now. You know, I, I, I'm right. not, I don't find cosplay bizarre. I don't find obsessive minutia bizarre. I don't find building replicas of props and droids and things bizarre. You know, I've gone to Comic-Con. I've gone in costume. I, I enjoy and embrace that. Yeah aspect and i think not only do i do the world does at least the pop culture world we're in it's true the world has changed i think it has i think in the almost 20 years since we saw this movie it has changed and i think that's for the better i think that's good and i think what's weird to me is i'm engrossed in that now what was i in 1998 or 99 because we lived our apartment as a, and we, you know, I'm sure we've described it before as a beacon to the pop culture we loved, and we talked right. about it. I mean, my bedroom wall was a shrine to Oasis, right? But that's yeah. music, man, and music's cool. <laughs> I'm talking about things like I, I embraced fucking comic books, like. You know, I, I think Kevin Smith's movies did this for me, where I became the trash talking comic book fan kind of thing. I could do that, you know, and I, 
I had the attachment, the transformers that was slowly becoming a little more talking to people, I guess, wider spread, but these things, like I get the mentality now and I hope I got it then. I just don't think I ever saw it on that mass scale. So yeah, it was bizarre to me then. And I can't imagine a world where that was the case, where I would have ever been judgmental towards someone's fandom. Because if I see someone on the train sporting a prop cheeseburger backpack from Steven Universe, or when I see someone with the face made up to go, you know, to go as their favorite anime character to a convention, or if I just see someone, an adult, you know, reading uh, uh, you know, a Pokemon or a Nana or some whatever comic book they're reading on the train. I, in my head, am embracing that view that, of course, these things are important. Why wouldn't you carry them around like they're the sound of the fury or, or some JD Salinger t shirt? You know, it's like it makes sense and I'm happy for it and I believe in it. And I, I understand mm-hmm. what these things bring to people. But in 1999, I'm worried and I'm guessing that maybe that wasn't the case if we were laughing at this movie. And if this movie was presenting that way, maybe the culture was also there. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I want to yeah. see it. I want yeah, to see I, it again because it's been a while. Yeah, I was going to say, this is something I truly have not gone back to. We've done some retro shocks where uh, we watched it in our youth and maybe I also watched it eight years ago. Mm-hmm. This I haven't seen since 1999 or whatever right. it was. I think it was 99. And I will say, you know, we, and we always forget to do this, but let's say good memory or bad memory. This thing is a good memory. It's a good memory. Absolutely. I mean, just the little bit we've talked about here has brought us both joy. Um, but I think I'm, I'm nervous about it for sure. Yeah. So let's, um, let's boldly go. <laughs> rent it the bathroom and then to the bathroom um and when we come back we'll see uh what we think about trekkies and if bob and i were jerks yeah i'm pretty sure we were jerks When I watched it uh, last night, I felt like I was seeing some old friends. Who were some of the ones that immediately are like, oh, I miss this person or oh, this person? Um, well, immediately, the, the star of the, of the show is Gabriel. <laughs> yes, Gabriel, the, the, the prototypical nerd, I feel like, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Give us a little bit about Gabriel here. He is just... Uh, Here's something I learned or discovered or, or kind of realized, I guess, on this viewing. Uh, not only is your, your, your prototypical nerd using as fancy language incorrectly, not, not that he's using it incorrectly, but he mispronounces almost all the big <laughs> words he says. Such as? Um, oh, well, I had a couple written down. Yeah, what are some um, choice quotes? Because I, oh, I too, I, quotes. I wish I had written more down. Prototypical is great. Like <laughs> he's, he's showing a, a a uniform that was made for him, and instead of saying this is the prototype, he says that this is the uh, the prototypical version, which <laughs> is just you know perfect for him. Uh, let's he see. He looks and sounds like a here. Simpsons nerd from the show itself, yeah. like a real like old a school nerd. '90s nerd. 
minor quibbles. I wrote that's, that down that he's got. That's the fucking line. That's that came like that's the thing. There are t-shirt lines throughout this fucking movie for us because we've heard yeah. it so many times and that's one i mean yes minor quibbles like the voice like the intonation yeah and it's like he is i mean that is that's not a 1980s nerd i don't know what nerds are now that is very much a 90s nerd isn't it would you say i i, I would say so and and i think also it didn't stand out for me when i first watched it but he's also kind of an asshole because <laughs> oh, so. he because he has minor quibbles with this uniform that someone made for him, and he it was quick to point out that the uh, the stitching is not exactly correct, but she can fix that. And the the are you uh, talking about the, the he has a uh, he has a bunch of different costumes, but he has a Star Trek uniform. Here's the thing: this documentary blows my mind. This 15 year old has a Federation uniform made by his town's Star Trek club, which refers to itself as a federation. Everybody has a position that they would have on the ship. They meet, they're making these costumes for a movie that this Star Trek fan club is making a 140 page screenplay that he wrote. And with his 1997 Amiga made special effects shots for, I mean, that is all nerd culture of the moment in the nineties. He can do stuff with a computer. Are you crazy? But yeah, he has a uniform, and you you think his quibbles makes him a jerk? Uh, yeah, because it's not just yeah. He he points out every um, incorrect facet of of that uniform, and then the one that he designed that they su- surprised him with later. This was one he designed for the movie out of fifty or so uh, other designs that he had put together. They went ahead and made that for him. And he was shocked and surprised to see it. And that's the only emotion and, he shows in the entire. Yeah. And, and it's very, he's, he's caught off guard because he really wants to wear the other outfit, <laughs> but you can see in his eyes and all like, Oh shit. Now I have to wear this because they're gifting it to me. This is the surprise. And then when he has it on and is talking about it, he talks about all the things that are wrong with it, that they have to change. Um, yeah, so that, that stood out more this time. I never really caught that the first time. Just, uh, mm. but yeah, I feel like he's, he's our standout best buddy here. Um, I think he's so. The, the through line through the whole thing. Well, yeah, I feel like that's who they're following. Yeah. I, I want to flip what you said because I think when we used to watch this, yeah, I thought, what a jerk with the quibbles. And I thought this mm. guy doesn't want to wear the costume that they made him and all this stuff. Watching it this time, I, this guy is, to use an overused term that I don't even really know the entire diagnostic diagnosed meaning of this guy's on the spectrum, correct? This guy is maybe yeah. a little, uh, there is something there that is in how he speaks that I wouldn't have known of back then. I don't think I was quite aware of in that. Yeah, no, I thought he was a jerk. I thought he was a nerd. I didn't like him originally. I was happy to make fun of him this time. You're saying there's a scene when they give him that and he's like, you know, they show him the uniform. I don't think he's capable of pretending, which is weird to say for someone who's part of a federation in this small town. But I don't think he can yeah. pretend a reaction. I think he's genuinely shocked to see it. I think when they like they ask him, which one are you going to wear? And he's like, I don't know. I think he means it. And I think his minor quibbles and and picking stuff apart is meant as he's processing the world world 
through Star Trek. He knows his reality through Star Trek. So when something doesn't match, he's going to challenge it. And I actually had some compassion for that this time around because I was looking at it as this is someone who clearly has trouble in society, has something Mm -hmm. that – I don't know if it's from upbringing. I don't know if it's something genetic. Something just doesn't click well at school. It's not just that he's made fun of and told to go home because he's wearing Star Trek clothes, which is sad that he has to do it. And two people make the observation that compares it to sports jerseys and why why is this lame and sport jerseys or not. But not only is all all that is going on – I mean, I, this is out, out of, I guess it's taking the whole documentary without talking about it. He he wraps the whole documentary up in a way that kind of expressed this to me. Because again, I hated this character in a way that I enjoyed when we used to watch it. But I had mu- a lot of affection for him this time because the one piece of emotion I feel he shows, you know, he goes to these Star Trek conventions, he's pointing stuff out to you. They have calendars, they have bookmarks, like he's showing you all the stuff, whatever. He's sitting with his dad at the end and they're just asking him, what did you think of it? And he has a quote that I think is a summation of what this movie is about and also just what I've learned from it. He's talking about the convention in his robotic monotone sense with no sense of irony, no performance. And he's telling you why, what he liked about the convention. He got to meet the stars. But then he goes, I also met people very similar to myself, he says, and they're great, gorgeous people. And this is the line that I'm just like, whatever this means is how he is interacting in the world. He says, they're great, gorgeous people who really know how to play Star Trek in the proper context. Which is hilarious, given everything else about this movie <laughs> we're about to talk about in a world that has a Klingon school and a, a Starfleet dentist office and all these things. It's, it's the only world he feels comfortable in. Yeah. And these other people do it. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually like the, the whole summation, uh, like he had his line, but there were others that had similar, um, similar statements about how it's a community and they don't feel like the outsider when they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, what was another line? Um, nobody's ostracized for being different. Right. Yeah. Which seems like such an obvious thing that we should get because, of course, space fantasy, aliens, and all that, it all makes sense. And we get it now in a culture, and we were saying this before, that celebrates comic books. But I don't think in the 90s when we were watching this that that was a realization that was out there. I don't think – or for me anyways, I don't think I was thinking this is how people – communicate that this is i don't think i realized there are people ostracized for liking this these conventions are how they feel better you know right i don't think i got that in the 90s i mean i know that's a lot of the idea behind cosplaying and comic fandom and stuff now and i will say now is a safer time to be public about that it's dumb to have to say it's safe i'm saying like people aren't being ostracized I don't think. Maybe they are in school. You have girls who are who are in school. Are what what is a nerd for them right now? What's a nerdy thing at school? You know, I don't know that they have a a click like that. I don't think they've broken things out into nerds or jocks or, or anything. Really? I mean, I, I haven't seen it. So what I are mean, their enemies? What do they base space their social circle on? Say again. What are like the enemies of each other in school? How do they, what do they 
break down the school system into teenage years I, into they're not teenagers I, yet. I'm happy that that hasn't happened yet. I don't. I haven't caught wind of of uh, some of different circles. I haven't caught wind of enemies. Aren't there people, people your don't, daughters don't like? I mean, there are people I didn't like as a kid. I just didn't like them, and there are reasons for that. It it hasn't boiled up to the point where there's somebody that they have really not liked, um, which I think is, is a good thing. I think that's a credit to the school, uh, the way that they run things, the way that they, um, have, uh, things organized the way that they, I, I don't know if you've, cause you don't have kids. I don't know if you've heard about this peace builders thing. This is, um, no, I'm all hatred a, and warfare. So yeah, I don't really got know a, this peace. They've got a peace builders right. motto, which I don't remember the motto, but it's all about bringing peace and not bringing um, hate, not uh, not making fun, but bringing people together. Um, and so so far, my kids are again are just in grade school. Um, they haven't really divided themselves up into nerds and geeks and jerks and jocks or anything like that. Now, did you have that in grade school? When did that start for you? I don't remember it in grade school. Um, that's not true. I'm, I'm actually having a remembrance of fifth grade. So maybe it starts in fifth grade and my kids aren't quite there yet. Um, I remember that there were a couple kids that were picked on and I hate to say I was one of the kids that would pick on them mm-hmm. for being kind of dorks. I guess maybe is what right. we used. Yeah. I think that was from like second grade on, I feel like. Second or third grade, I feel like it was. Oh, yeah. I, I have a horrible that. of third or fourth grade of going along with someone who was mocking this kid. There's this kid named Lenny something or other. And Lenny's an unfortunate name because of Lenny and Squiggy and of Mice and Men. But that was his first name. Kid had a kind of rough war backpack all the time, blah, blah, blah. Was made fun of, and I was in line. I remember this because you would line up to go outside to get on the bus. So this is fourth grade, I guess I'm thinking. And I was standing behind cool kid Randy Colburn, who played drums and knew what OB was because he would sing that OB theme all the time, um, which meant he knew something about women to me, I guess, because I didn't know what OB was. <laughs> but I was standing behind him, and I just wanted to attention you know i just wanted to be validated i wasn't a nerd or whatever but i wanted the cool kid to notice me so i said something dumb something that i probably had heard on some dumb sitcom something along the lines i don't remember the setup of we well, you know lenny his uh his head bone is connected to his legs or something like that something like being a butt head probably some dumb joke but i made that this kid randy colburn laughed and then lenny who heard it looked weird and i felt awful but i knew the designations were there he couldn't be my friend in that scenario because it, so it was there and it's gross, you know? Yeah. And, and I just, that's why I'm like, it's interesting to me that if your kids to, aren't, aren't experiencing that, maybe they're good kids. I don't, I can't imagine society has cut that out. I'm just, Oh no, I don't think so entirely. Um, I'm just wondering I'm, what has I'm, it transferred to? Like, I think science fiction is wholly acceptable. And I think Star Trek and Star Wars and superheroes, again, maybe I'm just going off of my own standing, but like, I'm not, I don't know if I was ever embarrassed by these things. Transformers and GI Joe, maybe by the time high school, I kind of kept that private. So I guess there's mm-hmm. that, but like, I don't know. Like when we were watching Trekkies, we were into a lot of the stuff, but it wasn't never felt nerd based to me. It felt like a matter of fanboy pride. You know, I had the the, the proud sort of 
I think seeing Mallrats did that for me. The Brody character in Mallrats, who's just this loud, brash comic book fan, like I got and ripped that off, and that's how I stood behind my culture, my my subculture. But that summation in the movie about acceptance, I don't. Do you remember that from when we used to watch it? Did that strike you back then? Oh no, not at all. Because we were sort of doing the opposite of all of that as we watched this. <laughs> we were um, laughing, and at so it. yeah, we were we were laughing at them, not with them. We weren't there to uh, um, find acceptance and and see people uh, that were like us. These people were different, and we mocked it. Now, is the docu- at that time is the documentary mocking them? See, that's the interesting thing. It's it's. I found it to be very um, two-sided sort of documentary because uh, one thing I noted when I first uh, brought it up on my screen, the, it has the, the cover there, with as we've talked about, the baby, baby. Um, in costume. It also had the, a tagline underneath it, which I made sure to write down because I thought this was going to be a clue. And again, this was before I started watching it uh, again, sort of a clue as to what was intended. And it says Trekkies, a hilarious look at the universe's most fervent fans. Hilarious look. And I think we kind of talked about this before. I think it wanted us to laugh. I think it wanted to be seen as a funny movie. It was presenting these people and this fandom and, and, and these scenes and these moments as something to laugh at and possibly to laugh with, but I, nobody else was really laughing in it. Um, I found it that that's what they wanted you to do. But at the same time, intercut with the, the real fans and the many laughable moments, perhaps were real uh, moments with the actors from the show and other people that's worked on the show talking about these fans in a very, um, revered way and and the whole experiences that they've had being on the show and then going through the experience of of these um conventions starting up and how they started up and what it meant to them that was real and sentimental and it seemed like it was two different documentaries you had one Mm -hmm. um from the actor's point of view and then one not necessarily i guess from the fan point of view but in a way that it's okay for us to find them to be kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I still do find a lot of it kind of ridiculous. Like what? What's what's ridiculous in this fan film? Oh, well, you mentioned uh, Starfleet Dental. Uh, I hate that guy. Let's talk about that guy. And, right. and, uh, and, and yeah, because he doesn't seem to be on any sort of spectrum. So no, now what is who the star? I don't know if people watch this movie. I don't know if they've seen it. The Star Trek Dental is the name of his practice, and and what what is it? Uh, so basically, it is his dental office, which is decked out in all sorts of space uh, theme stuff, mostly Star Trek. Uh, but there's not R2-D2s. all Star Trek. There's an R2D2 trash can in there or something. There's an R2D2. There's also just a disco light at the <laughs> at the door. That's outer just space. Flashing colors. So I mean, they were going for the theme, but they couldn't quite get everything. But man, I don't know where they found all their cardboard uh, standees 
<laughs> but they had a lot of random character standees. Uh, do you remember the man from Atlantis store in Harvard Square that sold those? Newberry Comics sold them too. It just sold tons of those flat, life-size characters. I, like, yeah, I have a vague – now that you mention it, I have a vague recollection of that place. I don't know what started that as a trend. Like who <laughs> – like what was the first one? Like I would think like, okay, an NBA star who's really tall, you know, or, or – Oh, sure. Something like that, you know, because you can measure yourself up against – there's other tall sports, I've, but that's what I'm thinking of. But like, you know, like – I had a, I had a Braveheart one. Did you really? Which I actually – yeah, because I – but I snagged it from a movie theater. That's the same concept. You want a life-size card? No, but that's what I'm, I'm wondering if that's where it started. It's like they've got these cutouts. They make them for movie theaters or mm. or to sell things, and then you got to do something with them. And then there's these fans that that are interested in them. And then maybe somebody caught on and was like, "Oh, well, if we're giving them away, let's sell them." But he's cluttering up his dental practice with them. Like, how do you maneuver around? Oh, it's a mess. Pose Kirk in that Spock with the hand yeah. behind his back. Yeah. But I, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a authentic dental center, and everyone's wearing <laughs> fleet uniforms. And you're right. There's all this merchandise, and they they cut to him sitting on his couch with his family talking, and they're all dressed up in the in the outfits as well. That's the thing. Like these people are choosing to present themselves in costume. They're choosing to yeah. present themselves as fans, and I, I don't know if they were asked to. I don't know if they're like. In a minute, I'm going to ask the one person I think who's performing in this. I want to ask you about that, but I don't know if these people are performing. But, but this guy represents to me the still obnoxious, gross side of fandom items that are out there. Like I don't even. I I don't. I'm not convinced he's a fan of Star Trek. I think he found a gimmicky thing. And he forces it on people. That's what I hate. Like he's forcing this yeah. people to embrace his thing. Like I get it. You don't, you don't have to go to the dental office that says Star Trek Dental. But it's kind of like it's every fucking inch. I'm saying this without name dropping the individual that we both know that I'm talking about who used to fucking do this. I mean he's basically putting all of his action figures out. All the new right. ones you don't have. All the pricey ones. And they're all out you know, on display, not the ones that he likes, not the ones that mean something for him, not the ones that look cool as wall art, but everything, like you're saying, there's cardboard standees. There's I, part of me is thinking like, is it a gift shop? Cause he has stuff in boxes here and there, you know, he has toys and boxes and trading cards and it's too yeah. much. It's that side of fandom where it's like, you've gone beyond enjoying something. You've gone beyond maybe trying to share something. And now you're just shoving it down people's throats. Cause you want to be, the Star Trek guy, the Star Trek yeah. dentist. Not that you like this and maybe having a poster on the ceiling when you look up might help or having a couple of things here and there. Because here's the thing. I fucking love Star Wars. I fucking love the Transformers. I, Outside of a theme park, though, I don't want to walk into something that is wall-to-wall that. Unless it's a replica or something, like I'm walking around Cybertron or I'm on the Millennium Falcon, sure. but – I like going into stores and stuff, but like I don't want to be in someone's house where it's just here's everything in the world tacked on the wall in a package. And that's what this fucking guy does. And he makes people in a way that he finds almost funny participate in it. He dresses his wife up. He dresses his kids up. He dresses his staff up. Everything has to fulfill his fandom, which I guess yeah. is – but I find that repulsive as we do this pop culture podcast. <laughs> I, I, I find that just that's a, it's just like how are you living it if you're constantly brandishing it? 
so did this so what rewatching it when you saw this segment well first do you remember like what your reactions were to him when we first watched it was, was it just as much anger at this situation or was it just no, I, I thought here's he was, an opportunity to to mock this guy i, I remember thinking in my closed-minded oh. east coast way this guy's a hick I thought a lot of these people were dumb hicks, which is a stupid way of thinking. I apologize. That's very close-minded. Um, no, I remember thinking it almost funny because it's kind of like he and his wife, who's dressed up as Deanna Troy at one part from Next Generation, yeah. are talking – oh, the, the documentary is hosted by Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar the first season or two seasons of Next Generation. So she's the one going around interviewing these people. And what I always think of that guy for is he – this this – movie introduced me to the idea of cosplaying for sex because they, they are talking to Denise Crosby and they're talking about how they, they spice up their sex life by dressing that's, up as different characters. Right. Um, she's too short to play Tasha Yar. So he plays her, uh, her uh-huh. and then the wife plays Riker or someone. And they're telling this to, to, to Tasha Yar. And I remember as a kid thinking, or as a kid, whatever we were, we watched this. That's <laughs> what I remember him as, as sort of the, uh, the Star Trek sex guy. And at the time, I was repressed enough to think the perverted Star Trek sex guys. But it's like, no, I get it now. I get getting off on those fantasies. That's awesome. I get costume and, and sex play. I didn't get it at the time. But I think that's what yeah. I saw him as. I don't remember being angry like he was somehow insulting. Like, that's the thing. Like, I didn't – none of these people seemed clever to me back then or seemed worthy of anger. I wasn't – relating to them i guess but no he just seemed it just seemed funny that he was doing this yeah and he seemed lost because also i felt like he's got a he's got the hot wife and he doesn't know what to do with her kind of thing (laughs) but this time around he was he was my least favorite part of this probably there's a couple people i didn't care for in this yeah like you're hinting at he seemed like the most insincere Uh you know the the one that that like you're saying is just kind of found something to, to 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 latch onto, uh, gimmick. Yeah, maybe he likes Star Trek, but he decided he made a choice to go this far, um, because it was going to allow him to stand out in the dental industry, I guess. And he got um, rewarded for because he's in the fucking documentary. And I guess that's what bothers yeah. me. He got rewarded yeah, for showing it. off. Yeah. Whereas other the other folks, I think. Um, it's almost not a choice for them. It's just what they love. And I mean, not everyone, but the, some of the ma- main people that got interviewed, uh, especially early on. Um, like who else? At, like, Gabriel for, like Gabriel, for instance. Okay. And uh, the commander. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think she too is like, I mean, I, she's probably commander. on the spectrum <laughs> as well. So who's but, commander? Uh, Let's explain this. Because commander, I think, is what they built. Not the documentary around, but I think she was the inspiration to do the documentary. And I don't remember this happening before the documentary. No, I don't. I don't recall it either. But um, her claim to fame is that she, uh, Barbara Adams, I believe, is her name. I think I wrote that. Thank down. you, because I did not. I wrote down Barbara. I didn't know her last name. She uh, lives in Little Rock, and she, like Gabriel, was part of a of a local um, federation the federation club. Yeah, yeah. And they were part of the Federation Alliance, meaning they all had their designations. She was the commander. There were other people. This they century. had their uniforms. This last century. So they couldn't fly this a ship. This century. 20th century they couldn't fly they were a ship. part of the Federation. 
Yes. Um, they were, they served their community. They volunteered. This was their little organization. It's, it's the Elks, you know, it's the Moose Lodge. <laughs> space but Elks. But it's not. It's, it's the yeah, it's Space Elks. Uh, but that's what it was. And she believed in it. And so like any club uh, that had uniforms, any sort of organization that uh, she wanted to honor, she was called uh, onto the jury for uh, Whitewater, I believe yes. it was. Yes. Which was the, the Bill Clinton, uh, President Clinton scandal. Uh, and so she goes to um, jury duty, fully decked out in her Enterprise Commander <laughs> uniform. Yes. Tricorder and everything. And sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> Very and sunglasses, sunglasses. Giant sunglasses. <laughs> um, and so that became, apparently, it became national news. Yeah. National news meaning uh, – you know, insider. Yeah, I think we see an insider clip, but there's newspaper articles, everyone making fun of the Star Trek juror who's going to jury duty. Yeah. In costume. I don't remember that happening, but I definitely remember no. it in this documentary. And when we first watched this documentary, yeah, I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> I thought she was <laughs> ridiculous. She's convinced she's in the Federation. She's not yeah. aware of her surroundings. Like she tells the story about how she was on a bus and the bus driver turned around and said, why are you wearing that costume? She's like, cause it's, it's my Federation. It's my military costume. And she said, and he turned around and he looked at me and he said, you are a brave woman. And when she tells the story, she pauses and a smile comes over her face and she thinks that that's a compliment. That is yeah. not a compliment. He's mocking her and hers would be a sad story. I mean, that's what I think I used to think, that that's sad. That's pathetic. She doesn't get that the world's making fun of her. And that's how I used to view it. However, she does make the observation. She talks later about, you know, they ask her, why did you wear it? She says, you know, she's talking about how like nobody cares about sports jerseys. People can wear sports jerseys. I think we had just said this a moment ago, but this uniform meant something to her. And so yeah. she wanted to wear the uniform and she wore it because she didn't want the crew members of her federation to ever feel ashamed. And when she says that in the movie, I think this is after you see her working at the the photocopy shop, which just makes her sadder to me because <laughs> I've worked at a photocopy <laughs> shop. But it's like she's in this federation uniform talking about all these grenadiers and she walks in and it's like, Commander, do we have the 42 prints for the three, whatever the lingo is? And it's just sad. Right. But she makes... And she just seems – she seems a little like she's missing a couple of uh, space screws in the head. But that – again, she, similar to our, our – what's his name that we're following through the whole thing? What's the, the nerdy kid's Gabriel. name? Gabriel. Similar Gabriel. to Gabriel, she has a moment that for me this time, not when we used to watch it, but this time was such a moment of clarity where it is about pride and it's and for her, it's also about other people. She's doing it so the rest of her federation wouldn't feel bad about doing it. And that really got to me this time. Yeah. It got to me that, well, this does mean this much to her. So what is so wrong about her wearing it? And more so, she doesn't seem – she really – I mean, she, she really believes she's in the Starship Federation. That part is a little difficult to to operate with, but she also really believes in some ideals. Yeah. And I think that's why um, the dentist stands out as, as such a creep uh, this time around 
The guy running the comic convention stuck, uh, or the convention stands out for the same way to me because he's all about money. What can I put a price on? The Q virus and all this stuff. Like that guy. Oh, sucked. that that guy. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. that guy. There are there are a couple guys like that 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 uh, weren't necessarily part of the Trekkie community, but were monotonizing it and getting getting whatever they could out of the it. KLL, um, the KLOS DJs. They're the worst. Yeah, those guys. Suck. Like, I don't even know why they're they're in this. Because they got to interview Tasha Yar, I think. I perhaps yeah, because I think in the nineties they were cool. They're your typical morning show dudes. Like, hey, I don't get Star Trek. Hey, hey, you cannot get this. Is what and he did. What one of them is acting like? Oh, I don't get it. I don't know Star Trek. Star Trek. What blah blah blah. It's like you're doing what people yeah. do, which is like you can grasp a concept of something you don't like. I've never read yeah. the Harry Potter books. I get it. I, I could tell you that, oh, they're about a wizard boy in a school. All those words make sense to me. It's not be beyond <laughs> the realm of my grasp as a professional in whatever medium I'm in to not understand, oh, Star Trek. Like those are just douche. It was a douchebag who's like, it was like crazy. I don't get your thing. And I bet if the episode, if the documentary had been about NASCAR, if the documentary had been about, um, you know, 70s musicians, he would do the same thing. Like, oh, I just don't get these cars going in a circle. I just don't get music. And then it's recorded. You play it. Like, it just, they like doing that. I hate those fucking people. People have to go out of their yeah. way to be like, and they think it's funny. And it's always the same joke. We're like, hey, the new Star Wars movie's coming out. Oh, is this the one with the Enterprise B? Like, they have to make some, it's like, I get it. I guess that's funny. But it's just like, you're doing that to show you're above it. And who cares? Right. You don't have yeah. to be above it because you're not fucking into something. And that seems out of place in this documentary that like you're saying, why are they there? I don't know. I don't think yeah. either you follow that story or you cut that out. So those guys, those were douchebags. But you know what? All disc jockeys in the 90s were douchebags, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. They, like you pull that right out and you don't lose a thing from from Trekkies. Well, you lose our little bit here, which is great. Well, yeah, you lose that. Um, but who you had mentioned uh, earlier that you think there's someone in here that's performing? I think so. Um, and and I feel bad saying it. I think like a plant, maybe, or just I. Yeah, because I almost like it's David Cross. <laughs> it's um. Okay. You, you referenced this person in the first half of the show. His guy's okay. name is Eric Larson. I don't know if it's the same Eric Larson who draws and created Savage Dragon. I think they both look similar. He's the guy. He's so excited by the Star Trek memorabilia of a marshmallow dispenser of a Star Trek yeah. sticker. He's fine. He's showing you his Star Trek collection, but it's all like these little things like, look at this pop-up books. They were the biggest thing in my childhood. He's the guy you said like was like, what I really want to get is a really big – shelf to put my stuff on. Yeah. And he's just, he's what I would think if they were to make a show about a nerdy collector then or now, that would be this guy. Cause he just yeah. seems like he's, he's really like, Oh, I'm looking for his catchphrase. That's why the shelf thing happens. He's too excited <laughs> about his marshmallow dispenser from Star Trek five. That's the guy I think. He, he's too excited. Yeah. I think he's, he's kind of performing too. Cause he, yeah, he's too excited, but then he also doesn't seem to know what he's looking at. <laughs> it's almost like he's picking something up and then reacting to it. It's like, oh yeah, and then we had these things. I feel like marshmallows. 
<laughs> that's the sound guy. Like whoever's collection that was either said, yeah. I don't want to be on camera or was so hideous <laughs> or was so plain. Like, oh, I collect these things. And that's all they had to say. They're like, all right, um, do you mind if we just get a couple of, uh, just a couple of stills and stuff for the documentary? No, go ahead. He left the room and then it was just like, just grab the shit. <laughs> I don't know. Just say, here's some words you could say. Phaser, Romulan, <laughs> Marshmallow. And that's what he did. And it's funny <laughs> But it, yeah. that this time around, I'm like, okay, that's what this documentary isn't. Like, it's good that it wasn't. Yeah, and, there, but and it's, it's and it's only that bit. Like like a lot of these people, we come back to. You know, uh, we leave them for a while. We come back to them. Um, we we get kind of a a, a story from them. This mm-hmm. guy is just this one scene. But uh, we don't ever come back to that collection uh, or to that that person. And that's what makes me think that this documentary doesn't care for the fans. I think they're trying to make you laugh at them because that guy is there yeah. to laugh at. And they're, and again, I think it's good if a documentary shows you both sides of something because the character that it, uh, a character that's hard to laugh at, and I know I used to. And the character who does not come across in a positive light, like all of these people, you can find something like even the dentist guy, there's something in there. I guess you could find something. The character, I say character in this documentary, who I fear comes across the worst. There's nothing redeeming. It's very sad. I used to find it very funny, but now I'm just like, fuck the filmmakers for putting this in. Anne Murphy is her name. I oh, fuck me for saying her name. Um, oh. She is a huge fan of the data or data character played yeah. by Brent Spiner. She's not a fan of the word trekker. She's not a fan of the word trekkie. She, she doesn't like the connotation. She doesn't like the yeah, connotation. She doesn't like what that implies. But she came up with a term that she makes a point to say twice. One time when they're not even asking her about it, called. Spiner Femmes, she's yeah. a fan of Brent Spinner who has pictures of Brent Spinner that she's taking. So many pictures of Brent Spinner. In fact, that some of the pictures are photographs of all of the pictures. She has paintings she's done of Brent Spinner. She has all of his action figures. She has a website so people can find not information about data, but information about Brent Spinner. And she lives in a house that is positioned on a hill that looks out towards another hill that is probably not the hill that Brent Spinner lives on. But if it was, she imagines him on that hill as she's looking out towards him to see him. And she does. Yeah, she says night. that. Yeah. She, she, she said that she found out where he lives and she realized that from her, her porch or deck back deck, she can see not his house, <laughs> but, but the hill upon which his house is located at the bottom of. Mm-hmm. And so she'll come out and, and look at that hill. And this daydream. is a dangerous person. This is a person that after this documentary, I would imagine Brent Spinner took out a, 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 a some sort of legal action that if she ever comes to convention, keep her away. And, this- and he does the polite thing too. Um, and I think they, they all do this at some point. Uh, they being the, the, actors mm-hmm. when he was told of this group uh of spiner femmes um he was like wow that's that's great how interesting that they'll <laughs> that they take that time and and have that fandom that's that's oh I, I like that term yeah but yeah i agree with you i think afterwards he was you know taking precautions yeah and so that 
And again, I guess it is good that it's in there because they're showing you the wide girth or breadth or whatever of these people. Uh, but these people, sorry, that sounded horrible. But um, I don't know, because I remember finding her very funny when we used to watch this movie. Sad, but funny. And and just being able to laugh at her and say, you're crazy. But now yeah. it's like, that's legitimately unhinged. Not well, see, I don't know if I – yeah, I don't know if I realized people could become unhinged from this sort of thing. I thought it was, you know, I was still of the mind that this is innocent fandom, innocent fun, maybe just an innocent crush mm-hmm. that she's taking to to another level with well, with the pictures. I guess this and what the you're doing. But but I agree with you. Not the, the more I know about the world, this is the type of person that you kind of have to keep an eye on, perhaps. Right? And it's weird because. How do you, unless you're, the documentary's not about that. So you don't handle her that way, but she's there. She's in yeah. it. And she's a public face in the public now that people are going to know. So yeah, that was, that to me, like, cause I used to really, that's one of the parts I really remember from this was, was her and her little bread break. That's another line I think we used to quote. And I was a little <laughs> uncomfortable by her this time. Like it was kind yeah. of hard to watch her sequences right from the start of it too. Cause I'm like, Oh, right. It just sort of built up in my mind. Cause I don't think I have that kind of fandom. I mean, I know I, 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 or maybe as a, when I was younger, I did, I think now I understand that art and the artists are different. Maybe I don't, but I don't think I have that. Cause like we've gone through, I think when I discovered how the internet worked, I printed out Feruza bulk pictures and put them up on my wall. That's weird. Because first of all, you're printing out a photo in 1996, so it looks odd. It's all grainy and pixelated. <laughs> and I've got them on yeah. my wall. I've got my Feruza bulk for my Feruza bulk break when I want to take that. So yeah, that is kind of creepy. Feruza free time. Oh, that's even better. Feruza is not very good. You said it was great. <laughs> but I grew out of it. I mean, this woman is probably in her 40s. She has a kid. Yeah, she she looked about thirty five to forty. Yeah. I mean, are we being judgmental, or should we? Because we're allowing the um, I keep forgetting everyone Douglas to have hit. No, not Douglas. What? Um, we're allowing everyone to have their life with their ways. We're allowing us to not judge them for that. The main guy whose name I keep forgetting, Barbara Adams. Like we're, f- I've learned to be fine with that. Are we being harsh on this woman? Like, what is the is the different? What is the different line there? Is it because she's named at the person, not the I think that's show? It. I think that's exactly it. Because she is focused on on the person, not even on the character. Uh, so she it's celebrity have loads versus of, the the actual work. Yeah, she doesn't have uh, uh, photo albums full of uh, data pictures. She has photo albums like. Stalking. That's yeah. It's stalking. She goes and she has taken hundreds of pictures. I mean, I bet if you put them all together sequentially and flip through them, you have an animated moment there of face dropping of of him walking across the 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 stage to to grab the microphone because she took all eighty pictures that it would take for him in those three seconds. Uh Um, Yeah, that's that's a little creepy. I don't think we're being judgmental. I think we're getting just a small window and maybe we're blowing it up. Maybe it's not that bad, but we're seeing this small window and we're kind of imagining what maybe the bigger picture might be for her. So is that out of place in this documentary? Because I don't, 
I don't know that it is from the perspective of the documentary, like you're saying, kind of showing, you know, because most of the people that were interviewed uh, and featured were men, male. That's not entirely true, actually. There's a lot. In fact, I, I was I had forgotten. There's more women in this, and it's great that there is than I remember. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't. I'm, I'm talking about the ones that are kind of featured. There was really just there's uh, besides talk. her. I feel like there's the two radio Barbara Trek talk. There's Barbara. Oh yeah, I guess there's the guess, Klingon lady yeah, who actually I guess I don't feel William like the Shatner. Trek talk people. And the Klingon woman, I don't think I don't see those as featured people because I feel like the featured ones you come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the Trek Talk people they did come back to at the end. Do you just not enjoy uh, looking at the Trek Talk people? That was hard. Those, that hard. Her hands, man. Yeah, she wasn't in Klingon makeup, but I I feel like oh, I could be. <laughs> see now, why is it okay for us to? We're talking about how we used to make fun of the, these people, uh, these fans, these characters, these these uh, stars of this thing. And we're, we're admitting that it's not the right thing to do, that the whole point is to uh, be okay with who you are and who they are and not feel ostracized or picked on uh, to be yourself. Uh, but we're still finding moments to, to poke a little fun. Uh, is that okay, Tim? Is that okay to still find the humor in these people? It, it, we're, we're bad people for doing it. We're shit we're people, people for doing it. it. I mean, is it fine? I mean, it's what it's what we're doing. <laughs> You know, we do, and it's unavoidable. No, that's not a good thing at all. Of course it isn't. It wasn't a good thing when we did it then, because it's picking on someone the way I picked on poor Lenny, whatever his last name is. I'm going to say Kravitz, but it wasn't, in school. No, it's shitty. And obviously necessary in some perverted, (laughs) gross way. Internally, I'm not saying necessary. It's a bad character trait. And I don't hear you doing it, so – you know, you're a good person, but yeah, it's, it's, it's my least, uh, uh, you know, mocking people is not I just, the greatest trait. Yeah, no, yeah, I just mocked difficult. that woman's hands. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I, I, awful. I pointed out. Awful that woman's hands. No, but I am. Yeah. No, why? Yeah. There's no way of saying that's good. It's not. And it's not like yeah. it's commentary on something. It's not like it's, 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 it's shitty because people are shitty. <laughs> That's true. Did it, and we do it, and we're not above it. Did you? Did you laugh? Did you laugh out loud? Because I just remember when we watched this, we would laugh and laugh and have comments to make and laugh. Watching it, did you? You watch it alone? I did. Sadly, well, my cat was there, but I I also watched it alone with a cat. Oh, Um, yeah. Look at us. (laughs) Somebody make fun of us, quick. I think Um, you just did. I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh out loud. You didn't laugh out loud watching during this? I didn't until there were t- two parts. Or maybe there was one part for sure. Okay. When was that? There were that? two parts that I laughed out loud. And both occurred near the end uh, <laughs> with – and I don't think I wrote it, his name down. But the guy that made the uh, – Captain Pike? The mechanism. Yes. Captain oh Pike. Here's what chair. I'll tell you about that. I didn't stop laughing for the duration of that segment. 
<laughs> I was starting to lose a little. I was getting a little fidgety with this documentary, but I will be honest. I like it. It's not that long, but they started having that part where they are talking about the words Trekker versus Trekkie, and you have Captain Janeway doing her Abbott and Costello bit of what well, Trekker <laughs> is going with us, but a Trekkie is going to go to the restroom. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It's fine. It's actually a good conversation because it is curious how people identify. But I was just like, okay, I'm getting a little tired of this maybe or whatever. I have to finish it. And then then we cut to this gentleman who, yeah, I didn't write his name down either, who has all who is building props and talking about yeah. props and made a um a blueprint for Nomad, which is a robot from uh, an episode of, of Star Trek. A blueprint. A blueprint, which is a piece <laughs> of paper he folded over with a circle drawn on it and a, and a tower or, or like a pole and the word Nomad. And this guy, <laughs> this guy is sad. But oh, yeah. for those who know Star Trek, the original pilot, there's a character named Pike, Captain Pike, who is in some sort of an accident. So his face is all gnarled. He can't speak. So it's his head. And he's encased in this black box. And it has three lights in the front or two lights. I don't know. Fans do. One light. One light of how to communicate. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was officially in the show, but in the uh, – what the what this guy made only has one light. <laughs> this guy that, with his what do you call his, those hats with the ear covers on them that you always see like Canadian hicks wearing? I don't know what the term is, but it's like the earmuff hat. Yeah. yeah. He's wearing that, but he's in <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing <laughs> He's wearing the pike it's like a hunter's cap he's wearing a hunter's cap which is funny but he's wearing the box of the captain pike again it is just a black box um with a little bit of a slant in the front and he's standing sitting in it and driving around on the highway going to the store going to radio shack looking so unhappy so miserable and he gets to Radio Shack and talks to the poor employee who must have signed a release form but doesn't want to be on the camera. And this that guy is the best. <laughs> the Radio Shack employee. That's the other thing I laughed at. That guy. I couldn't watch Irish guy. Points. I couldn't stop. Oh, my God. The look on that employee's face. Maybe they when, didn't get when, his permission. <laughs> maybe they didn't because he doesn't speak. When he's asked he a question, asked, no. He, he is asked a question. Is, is I talked to Craig here? about my Nomads project, I believe, is the start yeah, of the is, question. Is he here? And the dude kind of looks at the camera side-eyed, looks at this guy. <laughs> like this guy's not just supposed to be there is the feeling. Like, he he's just not shakes his head no. Oh, yeah. He just shakes his head no. That's his, He won't speak. <laughs> he just shakes his head no. And not even like – like it's slow and like I – yeah, I'm not supposed to be here this – this isn't happening in front of me. This can't be happening. And then you see him again later as the guy's talking to him about parts. And again, he's standing there terrified that this person's in the store and this camera's on him. I love that guy. I love the sequence. And this is the thing. This whole sequence is what this documentary could have been. Because I can look at this documentary, look at the people in this documentary, and I can point my finger and judge like we're saying like dick stew like shit stew like jizz dick shit stew and just judge them as not being and this is what we used to do in our 20s like no one in this came across came out looking like anything but 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 a bizarre caricature and a loser yeah. back then 
what has changed in my view of that, I think, is that I get where they're coming from, but I still judge these people and watching them. And like, are people judging me? Am I judging me? And I don't know what at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not going to convert my house into Optimus Prime's trailer, but I'm going to have that trailer as a toy out somewhere. And I'm going to constantly go back to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm doing it right now. We do this podcast. I know it's the nature of the podcast to do this, but this is the only thing I have, not the only thing, but these pop culture touch points are all I have. I don't have another way necessarily of connecting. So maybe that is immature. You know, maybe that is underdeveloped. And I don't know what it means that I don't want to abandon any of that. And that maybe it's healthy, maybe it's not. I don't know. Because I, I just, I don't. Because I, I, I don't know how to do it otherwise. How do we find out? Do we want to find out? Well, those are two <laughs> different questions. I don't know. Because to find out that I am immature at this point means I'm done. Because I'm not going to mature further. I mean, a lot of lost time if that's yeah. the case. I don't necessarily believe that, but I don't know. Watching this documentary was bittersweet for that. I loved it. Yeah. I loved seeing it again. Hated myself for who I used to be when I watched it. Like, I used to love the memory of the time you and I had watching this. It is a memory I would come back to. We talk about good memory, bad yeah. memory. It was a great memory. The reality of how we watched it was bad. Not bad, not, but you know, it was was not a high point in how I view humanity. And I hope I've I've grown right. a bit. But right. I used to watch this to mock these people. And I don't think I'll go back to it again. I think it's a great documentary, but I'm not gonna go back to it again because I don't want to mock these people, which says what it says about me, and that's that's shit, you know? Yeah. It's, should be a good reality, but for me to really, and I got something out of it this time. So that is a good reality. But the other reality also is I used to get off of being exactly the person I thought I wasn't, which was the judgmental person who mocked people who were into stuff I wasn't. I mean, what about you? Is this a good reality having this, this movie, having watched it? Yeah, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's like you're saying it. It uh, uh, shines a light on on what 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 our approach was back in the day, and I think it 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 sort of clarifies where I am today. In that, I don't see it the same way, and I don't feel good about having watched it the way we watched it. I like you're saying. I I enjoyed our time together in that moment. And that was what that was. Um, But I do like that. uh, I've grown beyond that. So good, good experience to rewatch it. Mm -hmm. But like KLOS DJs are the worst, right? God awful. They are awful. Really awful. And mullety. There's a lot of mullets in this film. It's of the era. I guess so. Uh, 20th Century Popcast was everything you just listened to. Thank you for listening to it. If you want to listen to more of it, hey, I think you should. I'm, I'm proud of the show. We're, we're, we're 50-something episodes in. I'm very happy with it. Check us out at www.20popcast.com. That's the main website for the show. 
Uh, the latest episode is always up there streaming on the main page. Plus, you can go back and listen to all of our past episodes. Um, you also find some contact information there. So you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the show on uh, both Android and Apple devices. And I will say, I will ask, I will beg with you something we i would like to hear if you do like the show could you drop us a little review on whatever um whatever platform you listen to i know apple if you listen to this on itunes apple has a pretty nice system i'm sorry to say i know they're apple where you can review and 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 give star ratings whatever and it it helps the show it helps me and my ego i don't know if it helps you bob but also helps the show kind of get noticed i'll take it i'll take it um stay cool everybody i still haven't gotten the new catchphrase down what was it uh no I I don't know well, you because said it. I don't sure. pay attention to those things or listen to our our podcast. Imagine if that was the catchphrase. I don't listen to the podcast, but it's it's not. <laughs> um yeah, keep it. Stay cool, everybody. <laughs> yes. yes. Mars ain't the kind of place to raise a kid. In fact, it's cold as hell. hate jeff dunham i just i'm gonna actually if nothing else i'm using that clip because i want people to be clear on that that <laughs> you hate jeff dunham okay timothy edward blevins hates jeffrey mengler dunham i may have mispronounced one of those he sucks <laughs>